When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. Also, check out our sponsor, DraftKings. When you sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN with the NFL underway. It's a whole lot of fun. The NHL will be here in no time. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be joined by Reed Wilkins of 630 Ched, the host of Inside Sports, Monday through Friday at 6 o'clock. He's also part of the Oilers radio network doing the pre- and post-game shows. And, of course, he was there Saturday night watching the Oilers rookies take on the Flames. The Oilers rookies victorious. A bit of a slow start in that one, but they come back for the 4-3 win. Phil Kemp, a couple goals. Some bad news for the Oilers in that one. One of the the prospects that I think a lot of us wanted to see in the preseason, Dmitry Zamorukov, he's out for six weeks with a broken jaw suffered in that game early on in the first period. Uh, a bit of a tough one there for the Edmonton Oilers, but good to see them bounce back. Jay Woodcroft behind the bench for this game. Of course, they take on the Flames Monday night as well. well. We'll talk to Reed about that and a whole lot more. Some other news for you today, of course. Over the weekend, Kyler Yamamoto signing a one-year deal with the Edmonton Oilers worth $1.175 million, slated to take his spot on the right wing of that second line with Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. For Kyler Yamamoto, eight goals last season, 13 helpers in 52 games in the playoffs. He got into four games, didn't get on the score sheet a whole lot, had one assist, but he's a guy who's looking to bounce back next year and potentially earn a whole lot more money. He'll be 23 years old once the season gets started. So the Oilers looking like they'll have everyone back and ready to go when camp begins. The preseason will be here next Sunday, taking on the Flames. Uh, always fun to watch the preseason, the new faces, and uh, see who the Oilers decide to dress in those games. But some great news for the Oilers, getting Kyler Yamamoto signed and ready to go. We talked about that with Jason Strudwick, and you know, if he was not able to sign or reach a contract with the Oilers, he was really only hurting himself, and he was giving an opportunity for someone else to take his spot in the lineup, but... Good for him. Good for the Oilers to get that contract done and get him ready to go. On Monday, the Oilers did announce a few things. One that really stands out, there's going to be a Joey Moss dressing room tribute uh, announced on September 28th. So that's very cool. Of course, we lost Joey. A uh, fixture in the Edmonton sports scene last October, and the Oilers are going to be doing a tribute for him in their dressing room. Great, great thing to see. Also, Kevin Lowe, of course, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. They're going to retire his number in November, November 5th to be exact, when the Oilers take on the New York Rangers, a couple teams where Lowe obviously had a lot of success with. And with that, Chris Russell will no longer wear number four. So uh, let me know on Twitter, at Connor Halley, what you think Chris Russell number uh, should be next season. I know he wore two. He's worn ten in the past, numbers that look like they might be taken already. So let me know what you think about Chris Russell and what number he should switch to after Kevin Lowe's number four will be hanging in the banner. Some other things, the Oilers will also be recognizing some of their greats. Now, we kind of have talked about this before, kind of a ring of honor type thing, where you could potentially honor some players who, not quite a retirement level, 
but also had really good careers with the Edmonton Oilers. Some that come to mind for me, you know, Ryan Smith, Doug Wade, maybe Alish Hemsky, maybe Sean Horkoff gets in there, guy who, who did everything right in his time with the Oilers organization. That's something, another thing that's really cool. And the team will also have a, a media wall of honor. So uh, something else to watch out for. There's a lot of cool things that the Oilers are going to be doing in the next couple weeks here. And uh going to be a lot of fun to see the Joey Moss dressing room tribute as well as the Kevin Lowe banner raising celebration. Now, let's get to our big guest today, Reed Wilkins. Of course, he's on 630 Chad Inside Sports Monday through Friday from 6 to 8. Also, host the pre and post game shows on 630 Chad, the Oilers radio network. Reed, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing quite well. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, glad you could uh, make some time to hop on here. How was the summer for you? Well, it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I was able to golf probably more than I've golfed uh, in a long time, which which isn't maybe uh, a lot by some people's <laughs> standards, but that was nice. It's it's. I think the biggest difference for the the summers for me the last couple of years as we've gone through the pandemic here is first of all obviously the, uh, the the lack of you know socializing and going to places I like to hang out at, but also the Edmonton Marathon has not happened the last two years, and I usually run the half marathon. Um, that's it's usually what I think the third weekend in August. So that was kind of a, a hole on the calendar. Obviously I still ran and tried to stay in shape as much as possible, but I, I miss the, uh, the vibe and the energy of the race days. That was always a fun event in the summer. Now I, I think you've, you went out with Tom Gazzola a couple of times, right? Uh, swinging the sticks. Tom and I golfed together two or three times. Yeah, I think three times. And, and actually I will say this, Tom must be a bit of a minus touch. I, I think I got up to 25 rounds this year, and I would say three of my top six rounds were with Tom Gazzola, the three times we golfed together. We golfed together at Riverside, and uh, it was the best chipping round I've ever had. I, I chipped in on one hole. I had another chip hit the stick and stop an inch away from the cup, and some other ones I put really close in uh, in gimme range, so yeah, Tom appears to be my muse on the golf course. Yeah, that that, that is actually very believable. I've, I know Tom gets out there quite a bit, so maybe he just brings the best out of people, and you know, you want him around. Now, for the Edmonton Oilers, Reed, let's get into it. Of course, on Saturday night, they defeat the Calgary Flames, the rookies four uh, three. Some tough news though: uh, Dmitry Smorkov broken jaw. He'll be out for six weeks. Now, you've been down seeing him skate a little bit prior to the injury. How was he looking, in your opinion? Well, I thought he looked pretty good, and I was looking forward to seeing him in a game, and that got derailed, you know, about five minutes in, which was too bad. But, I mean, he's a big guy, and the Warriors have a lot of size on their defense here on the rookie team. Uh, but a big guy who played with some poise, looked like he could move pretty well, and, and looked like he had okay puck skills. So I, I was really looking forward to seeing that in a game. You know, good for him stepping up and trying to deliver a body check, but it, it just, uh, I think it was a. Uh, a doer for the flames that he ran into and just a huge collision and two big guys and Sam Rukoff got the worst of it. But, you know, Tuffy's going to be out six weeks, but uh, I think a, a pretty good prospect for the Oilers on the back end. I don't think they're top defensive prospect with with Broberg there as well, although I don't, I don't think either guy was was likely to play in the NHL this year. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought he looked pretty good from what you see him in camp. Wanted to see more of him in, in a game, but unfortunately you're not going to see that for a while now. Uh, speaking of Philip Broberg, obviously a former first-round pick, expected to make the jump to North America this year, obviously. Uh, what did you think of him? I thought he was quite poised. 
Now, I, now I should say the, the Oilers rookies didn't play a very good first period on Saturday, so I, I would probably lump everybody in with that. But I thought he was poised. I, I thought he moved well. And the one thing I really noticed, he was good at making those subtle little passes to get a breakout started. You know, coming out of his corner or putting a nice little pass into the middle for a forward to take the puck and get it going. That's what stuck out to me. Like I thought he he looked uh, just a little. I don't know. He's there are guys that are older than him, but he he looked a little more developed and a little more polished than some of the other players. I thought I thought he looked pretty good, and he's a big guy too. I mean, he definitely looked big on the ice. Now, being a former first round pick, I, I guess you know people might say you you would hope they would stand out there on those uh, those events, and and being a little bit older as well. Was there anyone else that stood out to you? There were a few guys like I, I thought James Hamblin had a really good game, and I know you know he's on a on a minor league deal, but he looked to me like a really intelligent player who was around the puck a lot, won a lot of puck battles, was good with body position. Uh, I thought he had a good game. Good for Henry Rabinsky to score a couple goals on the power play. The former Florida draft pick that never got signed, so you know he's trying to make his way now in the Oilers organization. He, I thought he had a pretty good game uh, overall, and and it's a good thing he got those power play goals because you know, like I said, five on five for the Oilers really about the first twenty five minutes they didn't do very much, but the power play goals kept the minutes, so they were down three two instead of possibly being down three nothing, and then once they got going. Uh, they're able to pick it up, but uh, yeah, Rabinsky and, and Hamlin were good up front. I, I thought Xavier Borgo had some good moments. Uh, I, I thought he worked pretty hard. I thought his body position was good in uh, in puck battles, and he probably came out with the with the puck from along the wall more often than not. Um, you know, Philip Kemp got two goals. One of them was fortunate. Uh, I mean, he kind of shot from a bad angle and it went in off a Flames player's stick. The other one, he made an alert play and jumped up onto a loose puck that had been shot in off the back wall and blasted at home. So that was a good moment for him. Um, I, I think those are probably some of the guys that uh, that stood out for me more than others. In, in net, uh, it was a tough first period for Rodrigue. A couple of goals were off rebounds. Um, but again, the Oilers were pretty stationary defending and, and weren't checking very well. So that didn't help him either, but he battled. He made a really big save from point blank with about four minutes left in the third period with the Oilers up a goal. So that was uh, that was a good moment for him. Now, you touched on it a little bit there, but uh, 2021 first-round pick Xavier Borgo, for, for those who haven't got a chance to see him or you know maybe don't know much too, too much about him coming from the queue, what kind of player do you think he, he is and what does that translate into the NHL level down the road? Oh, man, that's a good question. You know, I think... You know, I, I, and it's interesting if you're trying to make the Oilers, there there aren't a ton of spots available in the, in the top, uh, you know, to be a top scorer. I, I, I think if he can be, uh, you know, a competitive complementary player, and I think he shows some potential that he can do that, then I think that would be pretty good for the team. You know, you know again, he's, he's probably at least a couple of years away from making the NHL, but you know, I, I think the Oilers are in a situation here where they're, they're going to be looking for good middle six players that can be on the team long term. I think that's something they've been searching for a lot the last few years. I mean, you got McDavid, you got Drysaddle, you got Nugent Hopkins who are going to play in some combination on the top two lines. I think Pugliarvi's up there now. Uh, Hyman will certainly be up there for the next few years. So maybe there's, you know, a slot on the second line or a couple slots on the third line 
where you're going to need somebody, maybe that's more goes, uh, you know, long-term future. And, 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 like, why did the Oilers sign Hyman? Yes, he gets points, but he's also the proverbial hard to play against. He wins puck battles. He's he's versatile. You know, he can kill penalties. You can put him out to protect the lead in the last minute. I don't know if Borgor is going to turn into that guy, but I would hope out of some of these forwards that the Oilers have drafted, I think that's what they're looking for. Can you kind of be someone who's you know the, the fifth to ninth best forward on any given night um, after the top guns? And, and, and I think, yes, you have to be able to score somewhat, but can you win puck battles? Can you grind? Can you get the puck to maybe uh, a star player or two on your line so they can keep the play going? Reed, when when you look at the you know the veterans reporting to camp and and once that gets going, is there any one or two players that you'll be watching closely to see just you know maybe what they've improved over the summer or what they're going to bring to the group? Well, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of storylines in terms of guys returning. I, I think Puliyarvi. In terms of is he going to continue nudging forward? I, I think he improved throughout last season. Uh, is he going to be, uh, you know, again, a good complimentary player for McDavid who can finish some plays, who can maybe set up some more plays on top of what he did last year and, you know, can continue to kind of use his size along the boards to get pucks. So I, I think I want to watch for that. I mean, I, look, I think if Puyarvi gets a, uh, a decent opportunity to shoot the puck, he, he's going to get a good shot away. I think that progressed last year and he, he scored some nice goals. I think for him it's just continuing to uh, – you know, work the cycle, keep those plays alive in the offensive zone and, and grind and things like that. So I, I would watch for him for a returning player. Certainly Cassian, um, maybe not in terms of improvement for Cassian, but just in terms of a staying healthy, which isn't always in a player's control, but, you know, hopefully he stays healthy. And, and I wonder if he is going to work his way back into a more of a top six role. We saw him play up there couple games against Winnipeg he got a nice goal in the game where the Oilers uh, blew the lead and lost in overtime but just from him playing with energy keeping his feet moving being disruptive and then I, I'm obviously going to watch the new guys you know especially Hyman who, who I think will be good I mean he's been a pretty consistent player throughout his career but how exactly does he play with McDavid what kind of chemistry do they have and then Fogel as well I mean that's a really interesting trade to me um, you know the Oilers gave up a a player who, you know, I think at the very least would have been a, a third pairing guy for them for several years with, with Ethan Bear. To you know, that was an interesting hockey trade. So can Fogel be that legitimate third line player? Because I I do think over the last couple of years the Oilers have sort of had two fourth lines and they haven't had a true third line because I, I do think if you're on the third line you have to score sometimes you can't you can't just play even if you like if you're a fourth liner you know if you're Derek Ryan coming in you know maybe you can play 10 to 12 minutes and just be even and you know win more than half your face-offs and that's a good night I, I think if you're on the third line you have to score at least sometimes Fogel did that with Carolina and he was able to draw some penalties. So for him, I'm looking for some finish, maybe even some more finish that he had with Carolina, and that ability to take the puck to the net using his size and his speed. So I think those are some names that that I'll kind of be paying extra attention to here early in camp. What did you think of the Kyler Yamamoto one-year extension? And, uh, I mean, do you think he's kind of just banking on himself to, to have improved numbers from last year, maybe up the, the goal scoring, the five-on-five, and, and earn that bigger deal? How do you think that plays out? 
Well, I, 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 I again, like what I referenced with Cassian, I, I think he's going to have to work pretty hard to get in the top six and stay there. You know, an incredible story when he came up two years ago. Uh, wasn't overly productive over kind of the final three quarters of this past season. With Yamamoto, I don't think you ever question his effort. Uh, he he's always going to have the size thing as uh, maybe not necessarily a criticism, but something he's going to have to overcome to make an impact. You know, if you if you want me, to, you know, another thing you asked about things guys need to improve on. You know, hopefully maybe he worked on his shot a little bit because I, I think if he's with Drysaitel or Nugent Hopkins or even McDavid, you know, there's going to be opportunities to shoot the puck. I, I think he is betting on himself. Um, you know, I, again, I hope that if he's not going to play on the second line, hopefully he can be an effective the third liner where he can be a little bit of a pest and finish some chances. I, I you know, to, to factor that in with the whole casting angle, I, I think that sixth forward spot, however they, they organize the top six, I still think that's up for grabs. Like I said, I think Cassian might get a look there. They still might give Turris a chance. It, may, it might be his last chance, um, but they do have other contracts, so maybe he gets a look there. And then I think Yamamoto is another person that's in the mix. I, I, you know, We went into last season thinking that, okay, that's, that's Yamamoto's spot. Uh, to me, it's it's nobody's spot this year. That that sixth, and I, I think three of the chief competitors are going to be Cassie and Yamamoto, and like I said, maybe Turris. Though I think giving last year with Turris, he's going to have to make something happen pretty quickly. Yeah, that, and honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. Kyle Turris was kind of a name that I had forgotten about this summer. I think it was actually Tom Gazzola who brought it up as as maybe a guy who can bounce back. I mean. Do you think just, you know, obviously from last season, kind of a bad taste left in the mouth of a lot of Oilers fans, what does he have to do to, to get the trust back from the team, the organization, and find his way back out there? Because we've seen, you know, going back a couple of years, he can be an efficient NFL or NHL player, but, geez, it just hasn't come lately with the Oilers or the Preds. Well, and I, and I think that's why if he does get another chance, it has to be in a more offensive role. They tried him as a third-line center last year. And and it didn't work. I, I just think he doesn't check well enough, and he's not good enough in faceoffs, and he he's not a penalty killer. So that's that's why I mention him. And and I, and I know that might you know have Oilers fans rolling their eyes, but I, I think you, you have to look at the situation. He's he's under contract, like you said. He has had good offensive seasons. So maybe they say, okay, you know, if you're, for example, on a line with Leon and Nugent Hopkins, and we don't know what the lines are going to be, but maybe they try that in the preseason. Maybe they say, okay, if you're on a line with Leon and Nugent Hopkins, you, you don't have to be the face-off guy. You don't have to be the most uh, reliable uh, defender, though I think they'd like him to defend better than he did last year. But, I mean, you know, you got a pretty responsible Nuge on there, and, and I think Dreisaitl's still pretty good in his own end. So what, is, what do they need him to do? Well, you know, I think he sees the ice well, fine offensively. I think for tourists, it's just, again, what I was talking about, can you can you win puck battles? Can you engage and get the puck to those guys? And I, and I think that's going to be the challenge for him because he didn't appear very strong in that area last season. I, I think when he does get the puck on his stick, he knows what to do with it. It's just he didn't often have it on his stick, and when he did, he didn't have a lot of – room to score. I mean, I think he, he scored one goal on a, on a wrist shot and the other one might have deflected in off his back end. Like, if I'm remembering the right goal in Toronto, I think I am. So, you know, I think if he if he's going to be there, 
you know, hopefully there's still some skill there if he gets the puck from other guys, but he's also going to have to prove that he can go in there and, and get the puck to them. And I, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for him. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner to the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week three game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana. 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now back to the conversation with Reed Wilkins of 630 Ched. Reed, when you look on the blue line, I think you know we're all pretty content with what we, we know about Darnell Nurse and, and Tyson Berry. Obviously, both guys had great seasons last year. But going back to that second pairing, and we think it's going to be Cody Cece with Duncan Keith, who they brought over from Chicago. How confident are you in that pairing? And you know, do you think they can be strong kind of as that shutdown pairing? I, I don't know. I, I'm So I guess my... That tells you my confidence level, but I, but I mean I don't want to say that I I have no confidence. I, I'm just really wait and see with those guys. Uh, look, Duncan Keith has had an awesome career, and I think he has a lot of qualities that the Oilers are missing. And I do think it's going to be good for him that he won't have to be the guy playing a lot of the minutes on the left side. Um, I I just you know want to see him you know, move his feet and, and defend well and be nasty to play against. And CC to me, I, I understand that pretty positive reports out of Pittsburgh last year. I guess now he's got to do it again. I mean, he seems to me one of those guys that was kind of trying to find a role, played for a couple other teams. Well, is he offense? Is he a puck mover? Is he is he shut down? I, I think now he's being asked to to be a shutdown guy. I mean, he doesn't have to get points with Barry and Nurse and even Bouchard on the team. So can he completely embrace that for a year and, and excel in that role? I think that's what they want out of that pairing. Um, you know, I think they want to be able to put that pairing out against top two lines on the other teams and kill the cycle and get the puck going up ice the other way and all that kind of stuff. I, I just feel like that's that's still a little iffy to me. And and again, with Keith, it's it's not what he's accomplished. He's clearly a Hall of Famer. But, but you know, the Oilers aren't, aren't getting the guy at the, at the peak of his career. So it's just him being able to do that at where he's at. And, and with CeCe, I think it's just, okay, if that's going to be his role – can he now embrace that role and and perform it to a high level for for an entire season? And I get you know again, it sounds like he did it pretty well in Pittsburgh. Well, now he has to do it again in a different place. That's definitely what they wanted of those guys. So to see if they can do it over the whole season. Now, one of the things I do like about Duncan Keith, I mean, I, I, we've all just said it. You know, obviously off the ice, he's a guy who can help out so many players, anyone on the Oilers blue line. But not just that. I mean, he he's won at every level in his hockey career. So you know, things he can 
help out, you know, Leon Dryasad, O'Connor McDavid with little things like that. Do you do you buy into that? Like for you, is that a big selling feature? Bringing in a guy like Duncan Keith. I do. Uh, I think. Yeah, I, I think what I buy into out of that is first of all is, is as I referenced in my last comment is a bit of that nastiness. I mean, the Oilers, even as they've had better teams the last couple of years, I don't know if they've been a, had a team with a lot of sort of gamesmanship and, you know, knowing when to play a little nasty and knowing when you can cross the line and maybe get away with it with an official or, 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 or you know, just, just be, uh, be a very tenacious, uh, mean player, quite frankly, right? Like, I think Keith brings that. The behind-the-scenes stuff is interesting. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things I often say, it's like, well, he's good in the room. Well, what does that matter if he's bad on the ice? You know, you still have to be able to bring it on the ice. But I do think, you know, I, I do think a player like that can have an impact in the locker room. And I, I think it's things like, you know, practice habits, professionalism, uh, how do you react when when something goes wrong? Do you have a can you be a steadying influence when you know like in the playoffs last year when you're up four one and then it's four three? What happens next? You give up the tying goal right away, or can somebody go out there and steady the ship and bring it into port for a victory? So I, I and, I'm, and I'm not saying the Oilers you know don't have players like that. Like I'm, I'm not saying that the core of the team aren't hard workers or aren't professional because I think they're very professional and work very hard. But I think you have another guy like in there and another voice and, and he's actually won Stanley cups. Like he has actually done it. Uh, I mean, you know, look at, look at what Tom Brady did for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in, in one year. Now, you know, I don't know if there's anybody whose career currently is exactly comparable to Tom Brady's, but you, you have somebody who can, if he says, okay, like, look, we, we, we got to calm down or look, you can't react that way when this happens. You, you, you know, it, it's Duncan Keith saying that. And, and I, I hope something like that would, would help. Well, not just the younger players, but anybody in the dressing room where it's like, okay, you know, like this guy actually knows, like he's got three Stanley cup rings. He's got Norris trophies. He's played game sevens. He's played game seven overtimes. Like he, this is not coming from an empty place or a hopeful place. He actually knows what he's talking about. I do think that makes a difference. I, I know for some fans, it's, it, it's hokey. It, it's certainly not the be end and be all and end all. Like I said, you still have to go out there and perform on the ice, but I, I don't think it hurts to add from that element, to add somebody with, with, that experience under his belt and that success under his belt. Like I said, for, for me, for me, for Keith, it's just going to come down to his skating. I, I really think that's it. Like for him to can really be a solid contributor to the team, it's just going to be his skating. Like we all saw the clips people posted after they traded him of him getting beat in some one-on-ones or, or losing races to the puck, which so were those cherry picked highlights to make him look bad or, or was that sort of the norm from last season? I, to me, that's what it, could, it comes down to. Like all the other stuff I think he can contribute. It's just going to come, comes down to his mobility on the ice. Now with the third pairing, I have Bouchard. We assume slots in on the right side, the left side, uh, Chris Russell, Willie Legison. That there's a few options there. Slater Cuckoo as well. Who would you be looking at opening night to start off on the left side of that third pairing? I would think it would be Chris Russell, given what we've seen, how we've seen Dave Tippett coach, uh, I, and even how Ken Holland puts the team together. They like older players. They like veteran players. I, you know, I, I don't think Lagason 
has really did enough overall. We'll see how he does in camp, but if I'm basing this on last year, it's not as if he was really clawing guys and pushing them out of the way to get that spot. Uh, you know, maybe it's going to be Cuckoo. Um, uh, you know, again, his his last year is a bit tough to evaluate because he missed most of it. I thought he was playing okay when he got hurt, and then, you know, the playoffs were over so quick. I know he kind of got benched in game four there after he was on the ice for that goal against. But I, I, I would think it would be Chris Russell. Now, again, this is without seeing camp and knowing how guys are going to go through camp, but just basing that kind of on decisions Dave Tippett has made in the past. Now, goaltending, obviously a very big talking point amongst Oilers fans and uh, media alike. Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen, how confident are you in this group? And maybe not so much in the regular season, but getting into the playoffs, assuming they get there, are these the right guys? Well, I think by the playoffs, we'll we'll see how the season went. Look, I, I, Koskinen... I think we know what he needs to be successful. He needs to start about one game a week. If you look at his his track record from last year, if he had five or more days between games, he usually had a decent start. If he was playing more often than that, it was more likely he was going to struggle. He didn't struggle all the time, but it was more likely he was going to struggle if he was starting on just one or two days rest or if he was starting three times in nine days. If, if he got five or six days between starts, so if he's playing every third game, every fourth game, you know, usually gave, at least gave you a chance to win the game. You know, it, it's interesting talking about Mike Smith because if he wasn't the age that he was, no one would have any questions. You'd be looking at a guy who was like 21-6-2 and two and seventh best save percentage and seventh in Vesna voting, and he'd be like, okay, that's a good <laughs> goaltender. But with Smith, with Smith, it's purely his age. And that, A, in his first year with the Oilers, he had a really miserable five- or six-week run in November and December. And then, B, that he, he missed the start of last season with an injury. I, I think it's fair to be concerned, what if what if Smith gets injured? In terms of him all of a sudden turning into like an 860 goaltender, I don't know. I think that's pretty unlikely. I mean, the guy's in great shape. He worked with Adam Francilia again in the offseason, who helped him a lot last year. Um, for for Smith, it's just going to be the the health, and that if he does have a swoon, how how poor is it? And then if you know if Koskinen has to fill in for an extended period, how how good can he be? It's fair to have questions about the goaltending. I don't know if it's going to drop off the map to the point where all of a sudden it's going to knock the Oilers out of the playoffs, though. Marie, just a couple more questions for you. Really appreciate you hopping on today. Uh, one question I, I've thrown to the people who've hopped on the podcast here with me. Uh, Dave Tippett, we've obviously seen him turn the teams around, getting them into the playoffs, but this would be the final year of his contract. And uh, if, if this team doesn't make it to the playoffs and, and win a round or two, do you think there's any chance that the Oilers bring him back and, and extend him for another couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's just one of those. It depends on how it happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if they miss the playoffs, then you know clearly that that wouldn't bode well for the coach, whether it's Tippett or somebody else. Here, here's what I want to say about about Tippett. First of all, I think he's a really good coach. I, I think he's put some structure in there. I want to see Tippett really give these players that have come in a chance. You know, I think the, the criticism of Tippett, and even to some extent McClellan before him, was, well, man, oh, man, he, you, you play McDavid and Drysaddle so much. You play McDavid and Drysaddle so much. 
they they have now some players who hopefully can be can help and can be good in other situations. You know, the McDavid and Dreisaitl will have to play the power play and as much as they do five on five and be out there in the final two minutes of every game when you have a one goal lead. Could Zach Hyman be out there? Could Warren Fogle be out there? Could Derek Ryan be out there? I think I want to see Tippett, you know, use all the players uh, and give everybody a chance in the position that they've been brought into play uh, and not just kind of default to like, well, I got Connor and Leon, so I'm going to throw out there again. I, I mean, look, I, I, the questions about Tippett were in the postseason in the bubble. Why did he break up the the, uh, the uh Nugent Hopkins, Drysdale, Yamamoto line. I think that was a fair question. I understand why he did it, but, you know, that line was really clicking before the season got shut down. And then, you know, I think some of the questions uh, last year, if you, if you just look at game four, it's like, okay, well, Ethan Bear and Slater Cuckoo were on the ice for a goal against, but now you're in double overtime and Darnell Nurse is taking a five-minute shift. You know, was there a time to say, like, Look, I know the season's on the line here, but these guys are these guys are fresh, and Darnell Nurse is playing over half of the half of the overtime. I, so I just want to see how Tippett handles the roster. I mean, look, if if they lose, if they get eliminated, how they get eliminated, you know, how does Tippett feel about the season? All those things are going to go back into him being back next year a lot. You know, I, he coaches, you know, like any coach, he coaches really hard. He coaches to win, um, but I want to see him take the opportunities to to let. The, especially the new players that have been acquired to, to show themselves in the roles they've been brought into play as opposed to just defaulting to, well, I guess I'll let Connor and Leon do it. Now, final question for you, Reed, and as much as we love the North Division last year, it was fun for, for one year, I think. I can't wait to see all the other teams, you know, the Kings, the Ducks, uh, everyone else in the Pacific Division, the Golden Knights. Now, when you look at the Pacific Division specifically, is it the Oilers, the Knights, and everyone else? Or are there other teams that you think could surprise us this year? Well, I think it should be the, the Golden Knights and the Oilers at the top of the division. I here, here's I'm going to say this about the Calgary Flames. And I know, you know, they lost Giordano. They're coming off a pretty disappointing season. There's question marks about some of their guys. I, I just wonder... If what if Jacob Markstrom, you know, has a 9.25 save percentage series or 9.20 something like that, right? Like, what if he becomes where he actually plays like like a top five goaltender in the National Hockey League? I mean, we've seen it time and time again, or we've seen it in Edmonton. The the value of goaltending or that extra save a two to a night or even over the course of a week that keeps you in a game and gets you into overtime or gives you a one goal victory. So I, I'm going to have my eye on Calgary. Um, just because of Markstrom. Um, yeah, other than that, I think you look around the, the Pacific Division and there are, you know, obviously there are good players, but I just think a lot of those teams have a lot of what-ifs around them or are just now on sort of, you know, if you look at the California teams, maybe a little more on the down curve of where they've been from a few years ago as opposed to on the on the way up. It, it sh- I think it should be Vegas and Edmonton at the top. Uh, I'll throw Calgary into the mix just if Markstrom has a huge bounce back here. Excellent stuff, Reed. Thanks so much for doing this today. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for asking me. Great stuff from Reed Wilkins of 630 Ched. Really appreciate Reed hopping on the podcast here today. Hopefully we can get him on again once the season gets going. And I'm excited, you guys. I cannot wait for this season to get going. Preseason hockey on Sunday. And before you know it, it's going to be... 
midseason action. We'll be cheering on the Oilers and hoping for the best. That's going to do it for this edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Once again, big thank you to DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, do so and use promo code THPN with hockey getting going. Football underway. We'll have basketball back in no time. Of course, there's golf, baseball, UFC, so much stuff on DraftKings. It's a lot of fun. Make sure to check it out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the other Connor podcast today. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the other Connor podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.